Turn in the Holy Scriptures once more to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's read the chapter together once more. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, It profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a glass darkly, But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. The text we're going to focus on tonight is the first portion of verse 4. Charity suffereth long. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the inspired Apostle Paul, in the opening verses of this majestic chapter, has set before us the supreme importance and incomparable value of true God-given Christian charity or love. And he has set that before us in the most striking way by having us think about several different things that we would esteem so very highly. Then he says, without those things, or rather without love, without love or in the absence of Christian charity, those things are nothing, profitless, useless. So important is love the more excellent way, the most important of faith's fruits. Now, as we proceed to the next part of 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle moves on to describe this love by listing its attitudes and its actions. Here, the Apostle personifies love. Love thinks and acts. And worthy of note here, something we should be reminded of, is that the biblical conception of love is defined by its actions. Here, all of these different characteristics of love are attitudes and actions. They are verbs, action words. Love suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. And so forth, the text goes on. Love in action. That's what we have here. Really, verses 4 through 7, which which set before us in Brief and short form, all of these attitudes and actions of love, verses 4 through 7, are an inspired, God given portrait of what true love is. You can use that example to understand what's, what's going on here. God is drawing 
painting for us the portrait of love so that we can see what love looks like and what true love really is. And each of these characteristics, these attitudes or actions of love in verses 4 through 7 are like different facial features on that portrait. And so we're going to take some time to look at the wealth of instruction and application that can be drawn from this passage through the careful study of the different features of the portrait of true love. We'll look at some of these characteristics individually. Others will group together because they share a common idea. But as we go forward, as we study this portrait of love, this Word of God will will strengthen us to understand what love is better. To love God and one another better. To see where in our lives we need to grow in our Christian love. As we look at ourselves and our life and our attitudes and actions alongside this portrait that the Word of God gives us. And that's our prayer as we go forward looking at each of these attitudes and actions of love that the Spirit may use His Word to increase and cultivate more and more this blessed fruit of the Spirit in us that we might walk in that more excellent way. And as we walk in that excellent way, may our conduct more and more look like The portrait that is painted for us here. And as we look at this portrait, we're also going to be impressed. And Lord willing, grow in our appreciation and amazement for the love of God for us. The God who first loved us and whose love is causative and is the source of our love towards Him and towards one another. Because ultimately as we look At this portrait of true love. We're seeing the portrait of God's love incarnate. Jesus Christ himself. 1 Corinthians 13. Shows us Christ. His love. For us. And so tonight. We're going to start with the leading idea. Of this next section of 1 Corinthians 13. The leading idea. Which is the first three words. Of verse 4. Charity suffereth long. Our theme is long-suffering love. Let's look first at the meaning. Secondly, the manifestation. And here we're going to focus on the application, how we manifest this long-suffering love. And then finally, we'll look at the motivation, the God-given motivation to love one another with long-suffering love. As the inspired apostle paints for us this portrait of true love, the very first color that is put on the canvas is one that you might not expect. If you are asked to describe love in action, perhaps some of us would pick the first thing Paul mentions, but I would imagine many of us would choose something else, which wouldn't be bad. But it's striking, is it not? Surprising, is it not, that the very first facial feature of love, the very first color on the canvas is long-suffering. True love, charity, suffereth long. And that makes sense when we remember the biblical definition, the biblical idea of love, that love at its heart is the heartfelt desire for And the committed pursuit of the true good of another person through the giving of oneself. Love is inherently self-giving and selfless. And that comes out in the word long-suffering, does it not? Love, real love, is long-suffering. And so we need to start by understanding what that word in the text means. What does it mean that charity suffereth long? The words, suffereth long, in the original text are really just one word, one verb, which we can literally render a couple of ways. It can be translated, to be long-spirited. Or it can be rendered, to be long-tempered. In contrast to our familiar phrase, short 
temper. It can be rendered with this idea of being long in bearing with another. And so really what we have described here in the text is what we often call patience. Patience. And the basic idea is a kind of patience that we have toward other people. Patience towards people. Patience, long-suffering towards people which is rooted in our love for God and our love for them. Elsewhere in the Bible, this word suffereth long is translated as patience. One example would be 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14. There the apostle, speaking especially to the office bearers in the Thessalonian church, says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient, be long-suffering toward all men. A very important application for office bearers, that crucial to an office bearer's work, is patience, long-suffering towards the sheep that God calls them to care for. Now, when the Bible develops the idea of patience, there are are two ways that the Bible speaks about it that are distinct yet related. The first and most common idea of patience is patience that consists in enduring the troubles of life, the afflictions that befall you according to God's sovereign good pleasure. This patience is persevering, bearing up under hardship with God-given courage, not losing heart, a conquering endurance. And the outstanding example of this form of patience would be the patience of Job. But the focus of patience, long-suffering in our text, though it's connected with the bearing of afflictions, the focus is especially on bearing with one another. Bearing with people. A long-suffering attitude of patience towards People, a gracious bearing with them when they bother you, when they offend you, even when they do you wrong. A bearing with, a loving patience for those who impose upon you in your time, who are inconveniencing to you, or those who have needs which require great energy and investment. It's a patience that is not a grudging putting up with someone, but a gracious bearing with them and seeking their good out of heartfelt love for them. That's the patience being described here. Now, both of these forms of patience, we find them placed side by side in one verse of Scripture, Colossians 1 verse 11. And here we see their connection, but also the distinction between them. In Colossians 1 verse 11, Paul prays for the Colossian Christians that they be strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience. And there, the focus of the word patience is on that patience of Job, bearing up under the afflictions that God in his providence sends. But then the very next word, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Patience towards affliction and patience towards other people that God in his providence puts in your life. We must remember that. God is sovereign over all of our afflictions, but God is just as sovereign over the people that we meet, the people that are in our lives, the people that we must interact with. And there must be a patience towards the afflictions that God places upon us, as well as toward the people that God providentially leads into our lives. Now, to narrow our focus just a little more, to understand this concept of long-suffering, a couple of biblical examples may be helpful. One example that we can consider is the well-known parable of the unmerciful servant found in Matthew 18. We're familiar with that parable, are we not? As Jesus tells the parable, he sets before us a king, a king who takes account of his servants, and he finds one of his servants who is deeply indebted to him. He owes the king 10,000 talents, and this servant has nothing with which to pay his debt. And so the king commands that this man and his family be sold in order to pay off his debts. And this servant, this indebted servant, comes before the king and he bows before the king to plead his cause. 
And in Matthew 18, verse 26, the servant says, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And that word patience is the same word we have in the text. He's saying, Lord, be long-suffering towards me. I know that I am causing you trouble. I know that you have a right to be angry with me. I know that I have offended you by my massive debt that I am not paying and continue to take so long to pay. Be long-suffering towards me. Be patient. Bear with me and I will pay the debt. You know how the parable goes on. The king has mercy and compassion upon this indebted servant and forgives him of his debt. But this servant then goes and grabs a fellow servant by, thro- by the throat and demands the payment of a smaller debt. And that other servant makes the same plea, be patient with me. And this man doesn't. And that gets at the lesson of that parable. But the point to see tonight is the idea of patience. Bearing with someone who has wronged you or bothers you, gets under your skin, offends you, bearing with them. Another biblical example can be found in 1 Timothy 1 verse 16. And here we have a beautiful picture of the long-suffering of God. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 16, Paul reflects on his own conversion after a life of horrible disobedience. And Paul says, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul had been a persecutor, a blasphemer, a sinner of the worst sorts, you might say. And he had gone on in that sin for a long time. And how great was the damage that he did. But in him, Jesus showed forth all long suffering. In God's sovereign plan, Paul was not converted till later, till after he had perpetrated such heinous deeds. And God bore with this elect child of his who walked in sin and so, who so grievously offended him and who so grievously persecuted his beloved church. We see there the long-suffering love of God. And that's an encouragement, Paul says, to all who come to believe on the Lord Jesus. There we see the heart of God towards us. How patient he is towards us. The long-suffering that he has towards us who offend him. So grievously and often. That's long suffering. And so, wrapped up into this concept of long suffering, of patience towards other people, is a slowness to anger. When one is long suffering, he bears with that aggravating person who gets under his skin. He exercises a self control out of love for him and love for God. He is not explosive or quick to. Anger, even when he is offended or hindered by someone, or when someone disagrees with him or opposes him. Long suffering is to be measured, self controlled, slow to anger. Long suffering means refraining, holding yourself back from revenge or retaliation. That's the impulse of our flesh, is it not, when someone wrongs us? When someone bothers us or gets under our skin, we want to get them back somehow. But long suffering is what Jesus is describing when he says, Turn the other cheek. Render not evil for evil, guard your lips. That when someone draws a verbal sword against you, you don't return in kind and spar with your tongues to the hurt of you both. But refraining from a desire to have revenge or retaliate, that's long-suffering. Bearing with that brother, bearing with that neighbor, even though they don't treat you the way they should. Long-suffering is being long-spirited toward other people. That means not quickly giving up on them. Your care for them, your resources are not very, very limited. But you're persistent 
Persistent in caring for them, persistent in working through issues with them, or helping them in their needs. And there you see a connection and overlap with the other form of patience, bearing up under the afflictions that God lays upon us, and by the power of His Spirit, persevering through them. So too we are called to persevere in our relationships with other people, long-suffering. That's the concept that is before us. Now, as the text focuses our attention on long-suffering, we mustn't forget that this long-suffering is not to be studied and considered and thought about and applied all by itself. But remember, we're in 1 Corinthians 13. The Holy Spirit is using the pen strokes of the Apostle Paul to paint for us that portrait of what true love looks like in action. Long-suffering is love in action. Long-suffering is what love looks like when it is genuine, when it is true, and when it is living itself out according to the demands of the Word of God. Charity suffereth long. Here we come back to that striking fact that we mentioned at the beginning of the sermon. That this is the leading idea of this section of 1 Corinthians 13. It's the the first thing that Paul puts on paper as he describes love. So important is this characteristic, is this action. True love is patient. True love is long-suffering towards the other people God has put in your life. That's how love is expressed. That's how love is shown. This is what sets true love apart from self-love in disguise. Self-love is not long-suffering. Self-love is not long-spirited. Self-love is not long-tempered, but short-tempered. Real love is long-suffering. And thus, where long-suffering is absent, there... True love is absent. Or true love is not being lived out the way it ought. And the portrait of love becomes disfigured. Without long suffering, love is disfigured. So important is long suffering to love. It's an essential feature of the portrait. You can no more take away long suffering from love than you can cut the nose off a portrait and say, I have a complete and beautiful portrait. No, you look at a portrait of a person and the nose is ripped off. And you're going to say, that's an incomplete portrait. That's a mangled portrait. That's a disfigured portrait. So it is, if we portray love, but deny this important truth, that love is long-suffering. And so the Apostle is driving home to us this important point. That as love is lived out, as the Christian walks in the more excellent way, this ought to be an evident, visible characteristic of his or her life in the world. This ought to be an attribute of the Christian's interaction with the brother, with the sister in the church, with the neighbor who crosses your path, with everyone that the Lord leads into your life. Long suffering and patience. Because love gives and love pursues not itself but the true good of the other. Love gives of itself. And one of the greatest ways that love gives is by patiently bearing with the person you love. Or the person God calls you to love. That's a big way that love gives. Love not only gives time, treasure, But love gives in this important way. Denying self. Denying myself in this way that when I'm irritated by that person, I don't flare up in anger, but I deny my own self, my own feelings that surge up within me and show love through patience. That's the more excellent way. 
The connection here between love and long-suffering then leads us to reemphasize this important point. That love is not merely a feeling. We've talked about that already, but let's see how this text drives it home in a fresh way. Love is not merely a feeling. In fact, love is often this. Love is often doing exactly what you don't feel like. Love very often is choosing to think and act contrary to the feelings that I have inside or the powerful emotions and desires and feelings that are boiling up within me. Love involves an exercise of the will to say no to self and yes to God for the good of the beloved over there or the person God commands me to love. Long-suffering shows us that. Does anyone feel like being long-suffering? Does anyone say, yes, that's exactly what I feel like doing. Showing patience to that person that gets under my skin all the time. No. That's exactly what we do not feel like doing. But love, true love, acts and thinks Not on the basis of what I feel, but what I know is true and right according to God's word. And what is best for the one I am called to love. And that very often means acting and thinking contrary to what I feel. Isn't that true in marriage? Or in any close relationship? In marriage you're called to love your spouse. And there are days you don't feel like it. You get past the honeymoon stage and you get into real life. And there's hardships. You get frustrated with each other. Sometimes you might not feel like loving. And in the world where love is reduced to a mere feeling, marriages end up on the rocks. Because those happy feelings are gone. And if you live based on feelings, which is really living based on self-love, You're in a world of trouble. But in Christian marriage, my wife, my spouse, it's given to me by God. And God says, love her. Love him. No matter what. Whether you feel like it or not. Whether he or she is getting under your skin today or not. Love Long-suffering, bearing with one another and the weaknesses, the faults, the sins that we see. That's, that's love. Love that only loves when it feels like it is simply self-love. Because then what you really love are the good feelings that you get. And that's why so many marriages in our day and age end up Ending in divorce. Because there's not true love. But rather there's a love for self. And therefore, both parties are seeking to get something that they want from the other person. The other person is there to give me the feelings that I want. And when I don't get them, things fall apart. But Christian love, marriage, in our friendships, in the church, is not based on that feeling. Is based on what we know to be true in the Word of God and what He calls us, and is an exercise of the will, choosing to act contrary to how I feel. Love suffers long. You want to see that in the most clear way? Then look to God. Look to God. See the long suffering love of God displayed in Jesus Christ for His people. God's love revealed in the gospel is astoundingly long-suffering, is it not? Just let your mind rehearse the mountain peaks and the valleys of covenant history and you see the long-suffering of God. His patience towards His people who so often offend Him. 
Israel's history is checkered by repeated covenant betrayal. Just think of the Exodus. God delivers his people out of Egypt. And they're a few days into the wilderness and they're already complaining. And that's going to be how it goes throughout the wilderness. Until they get to the border of Canaan. And there they turn against their God. And they rebel. And God sends them back into the wilderness to teach them for 40 more years. 40 more years in which there is plenty of complaining until they come back to the land of Canaan. And by the grace of God, not by the edge of the sword, but by God's power, they conquer the land of Canaan. And not more than one generation passes and we're sliding down into the pit of the centuries of the judges. One of the worst periods of apostasy and iniquity in Israel's history. And then comes the kings. A period marked by repeated falls and betrayals in which God sent prophet after prophet to his people. Prophets who were rejected until at last the chastisement of the Assyrian captivity and the Babylonian captivity came. And yet God never cast off his people who must have been the most frustrating people to deal with. He was long-suffering. Long-suffering towards them. And having been long-suffering for thousands of years, in the fullness of time, God sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, in fulfillment of His promise. To speak as a man, if you and I were to be in God's shoes, how many of us would have broken that promise by that point and said, I've had enough of you people. But God didn't. Thousands of years of long-suffering love towards His elect people throughout the ages. And then in the fullness of time, He keeps His promise and He sends the Lord Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. The love of God incarnate and the long-suffering of God incarnate. Now, let your mind go through Jesus' life and ministry. Think about how much Jesus had to put up with. The perfectly righteous man, God the Son, living among those people. Those people were just like us. Those people who imposed upon him. Those people who had all of their problems. Those people who would never go away. Those people with all of their sins. Those people who were Continually ignorant, those people who disbelieved and rejected him, his own disciples who still didn't get it, and still didn't get it, and finally scattered and betrayed him in his hour of passion. What long suffering! In our God and Savior. Then there's the cross, the supreme demonstration of God's long suffering love toward his people. Look at how Jesus was willing to bear so much for you and me to pay our debts. The debts that we could never pay. So often we're like the unmerciful servant. We have barely a pinch of patience for one another and yet we want the infinite patience of God. Well now as we see the infinite patience of God displayed to us in the cross of Jesus Christ, let us look back at our little pinch of patience and say, wow. I need to have a whole lot more patience for my brother, my sister, my family member, my neighbor. Because look at what God has done for me. Look at His long-suffering and patience towards me. In Christ Jesus, we see most clearly what it means. Love suffereth long. So now grasping that concept of love's long-suffering, let's change gears a little bit and focus more on the personal application. We've started to dip into that, but now we want to narrow our focus. Love that suffereth long. That's the kind of love we are called to manifest in our earthly lives as we walk that more excellent way of the Christian life. Now how? How do we manifest long-suffering love? Concretely and specifically in our lives. Right from the start here, there are a couple of possible misunderstandings of long-suffering that we do well to clear away. To avoid misunderstanding what this passage calls us to. And the first misunderstanding is this. 
Long-suffering means you have to passively resign yourself to any mistreatment anybody ever does to you. That would be a misunderstanding. That love suffers long does not mean that the Christian must passively resign himself to every single sin that is committed against him. And that's important because there are many serious sins and offenses which need to be addressed and dealt with Swiftly and directly, serious, gross public sins, for an example. There are cases where it would be very harmful to have the approach, just bear with it. And it would be harmful for that approach to be taken because the sin, the gross sin that is being committed, is causing great injury and is threatening people. A prominent example would be The sin of abuse, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, abuse in all of its forms. We must understand that abuse is not just an ordinary sin. Abuse is a pattern of intentional murder of another person. And so it would be a misapplication of a text like this to suggest that someone who has been subjected to abuse needs to just bear with it. No. The nature of that sin is... The destructiveness of that sin demands that it be dealt with swiftly, decisively, directly. It's important to understand that. It is not love to tell an abused person to patiently bear with it. It's not love to tell a battered wife that she must just bear with the fact that she gets beaten over and over again. It's not love to say that a child must bear with being exploited. By one in a position over them. And so we understand, we clear away this misunderstanding that a text such as this and the calling to love with long suffering love does not mean that we have to resign ourselves to every sin that is committed. There are certain grievous, gross, dangerous, destructive sins that must be dealt with, that cannot be borne with. Such evil must be confronted and stopped. For the good of the one who has been hurt. And for the good of the one who has perpetrated the evil. It's not love for them either. To allow them to continue destroying other people. Because in their destruction of others they are destroying themselves. And stand exposed to the fury of hell. Love puts a stop to such evil. And love is long suffering in this way. That love will not suffer that evil to flourish or multiply to the hurting of souls. Love will be long-suffering in that it persists and does not relent in seeking what is right and good for God's people. Persistent and patient in pursuing righteousness. And so, we must see that too as a part of the calling of this text. Love which is long-suffering. A very important application For us as churches, as we deal with the sin of abuse, long-suffering in this way, persistent, seeking to root it out for the good and the well-being of God's people. Long-suffering in doing what's right and good. But now a second misunderstanding that we need to, to ward off Is this, that long-suffering means that because I must bear patiently with the faults of my neighbor or my brother, that means I can never confront him or her about a sin or about an offense that exists between us. That's not the case. Yes, sometimes patience means overlooking offenses between A brother and myself. For example, Proverbs 19 verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says. Above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. For many sins. For many grievances. Many little things you might say. Though not all of them little. This applies. Take the example of marriage. Where spouses are both frustrated or stressed. And they're a bit short with each other. 
But understanding the circumstances, they let love cover that multitude of sins. They let it pass. It is their glory to look past it. That's a beautiful expression of love when we overlook an offense. It's again denying myself because myself, I want vengeance. I want to get back. Saying no, I don't need to make an issue of this. Though it was wrong what he or she did to me, I understand the circumstances. I understand the weaknesses of my loved one. And love covers that sin. And I go forward in peace. It's not going to gnaw at me. It's not going to eat away at me. There's not going to be a grudge festering in my heart. That's often a way that we can and do and ought to deal with one another. But there are sins and there are offenses and there are grievances that we can't just put aside because they hurt too much. Or the offense is too great. Or the strain that it has caused on a relationship is too much. And in that case, we must deal with them. Long-suffering does not mean that we just bottle it up and never deal with anything. That's destructive. If we just bottle it up and think about it, the root of bitterness can go down in our hearts. And it can cause us great harm, and then it can burst out in some very ugly ways. When there are offenses and sins between members of the church, between family members, that cannot be overlooked. We need to deal with them. That's according to Jesus' own instruction. For example, in Matthew 18, verse 15, he says, If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. In cases such as this, patience is not ignoring the problem. Instead, patience and long-suffering is exercised in working hard at resolving the problem in a biblical way and not giving up, not throwing in the towel, and not blowing up in frustration as you work through the process of resolving that conflict or reconciling with that brother. Long-suffering, patient love works hard at resolving it. Because you love that other person. You're not just in it for yourself. You're not in it to just to get back at them or to be right. But you're in it because you love them. And you want to be reconciled to them. And you want to glorify God. There's long-suffering love. Long-suffering love that confronts a wrong. That confronts an offense. But exercises patience. Slowness to anger, refraining from vengefulness, long-spiritedness in working to resolve. Those are a couple of misunderstandings to set aside. Now some more specific applications, positively speaking. How do you and I manifest this long-suffering love? very simple, but it's so hard to do. That person that offended you, that person that gets under your skin, that person you often disagree with, bear with them. Patiently bear with their faults and weaknesses. Remember the parable of the unmerciful servant. There's the picture of what we're inclined to be, but what we're called not to be. The unmerciful servant who pleads for patience from the king, but has only a pinch of patience for his neighbor. No, we look first at the king and his patience towards us and bring expanded patience toward our neighbor and our brother and our sister. Yes, they have faults. Yes, they have weaknesses. Yes, they get under our skin. Yes, they do things we think they shouldn't do and they don't do things we believe they ought to do. There's all kinds of things we can think of about other people that bother us. And maybe some of those things need to be addressed in the right biblical way. 
But the spirit that ought to pervade our thinking and our doing and our dealing with them is the spirit set forth in this portrait of true love. Charity suffereth long. Or as Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Comes back to the second great commandment love thy neighbor as thyself. Charity suffereth long. Therefore, suffer long with your neighbor, just as you want him to suffer long with you. For the weaker brother in the church, that member who has a persistent problem that he struggles with and he He just can't shake it. And it boggles your mind because it seems so easy that he should be able to get over that. And you get frustrated. You want to say, get over it and move on. This is what you need to do. No. Love suffereth long. Love is slow-tempered, not quick-tempered. And so love in patience works with that brother, helps that brother, accommodates that brother, even denies self. For the sake of that brother. The member who is different in the church. Whose differences. Make you uncomfortable. Long suffering. Toward those differences is. Not saying you must conform to my view of how you should be. Or I'm not going to. I'm not going to interact with you. But rather pursuing. Seeking to understand. Not letting oneself. Quickly avoid another person in the church simply because they're different from me. Or that unbeliever that you're witnessing to. Or the new Christian that's learning the faith. Who still doesn't get a lot of things. Or who can't quite shake some of their sinful habits. Patience. Walk with them. Guide them with the scriptures. Yes, don't hit them over the head with the scriptures. But guide them. Patience, long-suffering love. The reality is that we live in a world that's fallen. Among fallen fellow sinners. We're all going to be sinned against. We're all going to be offended. We're all going to be upset by other people. That's the reality. And now God gives us that great commandment. In the second great commandment, we see how radical a commandment it is in this fallen world. God says, all of those people, love them by being long-suffering towards them. That's denying self and pursuing the true good of the neighbor. Another important application, concretely, is that love manifests itself in the small, ordinary, and everyday things of life. Just as love is not mainly a feeling, likewise, love is not primarily a one-time heroic action of self-sacrifice. Love sometimes does manifest itself that way. You think of, sometimes a married man will boast, yeah, I love my wife so much I'd take a bullet for her. That may very well be true. And in such a situation that would be A wonderful expression of love. But most of us don't find ourselves in situations where we need to take bullets. Rather, we find ourselves in everyday life. And it is in everyday life, in the challenges, the hardships, the trenches of everyday life. It's there that we're called to love each other. And that's that's where long-suffering needs to be manifest. Being patient with my spouse in the trenches. Of everyday life. Being patient with my children. In the trenches of everyday life. Being patient with my fellow believer. In the trenches of church life. That's where love's long suffering manifests itself most beautifully. That's where love comes to expression. Love is not just a one time heroic act. But genuine deep love. Is love that's constantly giving. And all of the realities that we face in day-to-day life. 
So, let's apply that. Let's look at ourselves. We all need to look at ourselves. Bring before your mind that neighbor that God has sovereignly put into your life who you struggle to love. This is God's calling. Love him with long suffering. And the word of God, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, counteracts the excuses that the old man wants to make. The old man jumps to, well, he wronged me. I have a right to be mad at him. I have a right to be impatient with him. The word of God says, no, you don't. Love him. Long-suffering. Look at God. Look at his long-suffering. Look at his mercy towards you. You can love him. Takes away the excuse, that's just the way I am. I'm an impatient person. I'm short-tempered. No. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, you have a love problem. That's the real issue. A love problem. When we're impatient, quick to fly off the handle, we have a love problem. And thus 1 Corinthians 13 guides us in the proper way to overcome that problem. Turn unto the God, the God of of long-suffering love. Turn to Him. Confess your sins to Him. With the words of the psalmist, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God's gracious spirit works in the hearts of His people to mortify that impatience, that quickness to anger and all other form self-love to work in us that beautiful Christian love that suffereth long. Suffereth long. And so this text drives us to the cross, does it not? Because not a single one of us sitting here can say, my love is always long-suffering. We see the imperfections of our love, do we not? We should. We mustn't be thinking about the other people around us or the person we hope is listening, but thinking about ourselves. Turning to the cross. Christ. His long-suffering love for us. Shed His blood and wiped away our sins. And we have His Spirit. He equips us to walk in true love for one another and to grow in it. And so we go to the cross and then we go from the cross. Resolved to live a new way. One last application here at the close of the second point. Patience, as alluded to before, is not merely a negative concept. It's not merely bearing with someone who bothers or offends or has sinned against you. But patience and long-suffering is also manifested in persistence and perseverance in doing what's right. So here's another area for our love to suffer long and be patient towards one another. By patiently persisting in the genuine care and service of one another. Particularly the needy, the struggling, the hurting brother or sister in the congregation, in the church, or family member. Being persistent and persevering in our care for them. Love suffers long. Love therefore is full of patience and compassion that does not run out quickly. Even when it starts costing us. And that's where our sinful nature arises too. Maybe, maybe we feel bad for someone and, and, and we care for them. But then it starts costing us something and the sinful nature quickly says, pull back. You don't want to have to be bothered with that. It's really starting to inconvenience your life. It's taking your time. It's taking your energy. Be done. Be weary of this well-doing. Charity that suffereth long is charity that says, I'm going to keep at it. I will not grow faint in this well-doing. Even though it drains me at times, I go to the Lord for strength and I find my strength in Him. I persevere. Love giving of self for the true good of that person who needs help or needs care. So maybe... Maybe you have an aged parent. 
takes a lot of, a lot of time and care. It's, it can be a heavy burden at times. Charity suffereth long. Being there for that aged parent. Going to and from the doctor. All the other things that go into that. There's, there's love beautifully expressed. Love that suffereth long. Maybe your spouse, maybe your child, maybe your friend is dealing with a mental illness that's long-standing or particularly painful and requires that you invest extra time, resources, and care into that person. And at times it's draining you. It's exhausting. You don't know what to do. But love suffereth long. And love keeps at it. And love doesn't give up. And love draws on the resources of God's strength. You see, our love is exhaustible. Our care is exhaustible because we're limited creatures. We can be drained and often are drained. But as believers, by faith we're connected to the infinite God. And faith taps into the strength of the Almighty. And so by faith, tap into that strength. We persist and we persevere in the care of that loved one. Being there for them. Friend or family member, or a beloved saint in the congregation who's gone through trauma. Perhaps someone who's suffered the trauma of abuse. Long-suffering love. What does that mean? It means sticking with them, sticking by them, coming alongside them, supporting them, being there for them, listening. Because oftentimes you won't find the words to speak. You won't know what to say, but listening even when you don't understand, being willing to walk that long and hard path of healing with them, even though at times it's emotionally draining, it's hard. That's love. That's long-suffering love. That's charity that suffereth long, that gives for the true good of the other person. So let this text encourage us in our life of love. To love in that way. Charity that suffereth long. As we've seen already in this passage, Christian love is not a light thing. It's not butterflies in the stomach. It's not wishy-washy. It's not lovey-dovey. Real love It's tough. Real love is hard. Real love is firm. There's nothing more beautiful or glorious than real Christian love. The motivation then to love in this way and to strive to love in this way, the motivation, we go back to Christ. We go back to the broad context. The portrait of love that's being painted here Yes, it's a portrait meant to instruct us in our love of one another. But the only one that this portrait perfectly agrees with, perfectly fits with, is Jesus Christ and His love for us. In His love for us, His long-suffering love, He came, He suffered, He died to take away our sins. To translate us out of darkness into His light. To make us His own. To refashion us in His image. So that we might begin by His power to love the way that He loved us. And that's the Christian life. There's the power of it. The power is not in ourselves. But the power is of God. Who has shed His love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the God who first loved us. That's why we love Him. And that's how we can love one another. This love is the fruit of faith. As we, by God-given faith, look unto the God of our salvation and cling to the God of our salvation, the Spirit who worked that faith in us will work to cause the fruit of love to spring from that faith. This love is a love that is of God. And it is a love that is motivated now. The motivation for us is looking at that love that God has had towards us. Seeing Christ's face in 1 Corinthians 13. Seeing His love for us. That drives us forward. In charity that suffereth long. That is patient. 
So when you're dealing with that brother who drives you crazy, look at Christ. Remember how we His sheep so easily drive the shepherd crazy too. But in love, He doesn't lash out at us. When you're dealing with that sinner who offended you, look to Christ. Remember the greatness of my sins that offended the Most High Majesty of God and the merciful King had patience with me and saved me from them all. I'll have patience, mercy, toward that brother that offended me. When you're going through a stressful time, difficulties in your family, relationships are strained, look to Christ. To Christ. When you're helping someone with great needs, you find yourself growing growing tired from all of the demands that are upon you. Look to Christ, the tender good shepherd who ministers to the needs of all of His people, who ministers to you in your needs. That great physician of souls. Find in Christ that patient love that you need. From His patient love, go forward and patiently love that person in your life. God's love suffereth long, so that ours may do so too. Let us glorify God and love our neighbors with charity that suffereth long. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the depth of meaning in three words of the Scriptures. Charity suffereth long. As we have explored the depths of these words, we see the wonder of thy love for us. We see how far short our love falls, and we confess that. We turn to the cross, ask for forgiveness. We look forward from that cross with a new eagerness to look back at this portrait of love and to strive to make our lives match up with what we see here. 1 Corinthians 13. Strengthen us to this end. Help us to love one another with long-suffering love. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.